Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. This could literally go anywhere tonight, I know, but mostly because Cameron and I actually have a completely different preaching style. Yeah, would you like to sit down? Absolutely. Okay, and you're, I'm starting and you're taking my space. Oh, sorry. Hello, everybody. We're doing a bit of tag team today. Welcome. It's um, great to see you at church and um, it's an honor to be here. Um, we love you all and... Um, over the years, Sam and Carolina have just been boasting about you incessantly all the time, and um, it would make Renee and I feel so insecure about our lack of love for our church. So, um, so, um, so it's great to be here. Um, Renee's going to share a little bit first, and um, and then I'm going to round out. And so Renee's going to talk about all the controversial stuff, and then if she goes <laughs> too far, I'll bring it back to centre and make sure that. We don't get that cancelled, is legitimately okay? true. He gets so nervous when I open my mouth. And I'm glad we haven't, just, just before we get going, we haven't put the topic up yet, because I know I'm going to hear when you hear the topic. But just before we do, um, it is, thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Carolina, for inviting us. We love Carolina. Can I just say three things before I start? One, we miss Sam dearly, um, and our, our church loves you guys. You have got friends outside of these four walls and so far beyond because of the impact that Sam and Carolina have made. Secondly, I know he would be so proud to see how on mission you are, the faith that we could feel in the room, the warmth that we could feel here tonight, incredible. And thirdly, you have an unbelievable pastor in Carolina. I love her, honestly. I love you. No words, I just, I love you. You're amazing and absolutely incredible. So, love you. Okay, are you ready for it, guys? Okay, do you know what we're speaking on? Do you, th do you think we should pray first and ask the Lord oh. to anoint us? <laughs> I think we might need it. I think we might need it. Do you know what we're talking on? Okay. Some do. Climate change. <laughs> Even Carolina looked at the email. I'm like, what about climate change? Let's do it. But let's pray. You pray. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this incredible opportunity to come together and worship you. Lord, to get around your word and what you would speak into our, our, our culture and what we're facing today. Lord, we want to cut through the noise. Lord God, we want to cut through the headlines. We want to cut through what the world says. And we want to get back to who you are, God, and what you speak on these topics. So we just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give Renee and I the ability to communicate your word. Lord, give it um, the, the, the clout that it needs. And we just pray, Lord Jesus, that we would all learn, we would all grow, and we would all become closer to you 
through it all, Lord Jesus. We ask that in your mighty name. Amen. 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 What you're not going to get from us tonight are like our opinions. We are going to dive into the Word of God and set a biblical framework for a topic that the, the world takes as their narrative. And uh, I'm actually really excited. I remember you guys doing this series last year. And the reason I love this whole topic of elephant in the room, and those of you that know me know that I podcast on this kind of stuff all the time, is because we should as Christians be leading the way and our worldview should be shaped by our biblical, by our Bible, by God. The world doesn't get to have the narrative on this. And so, you know, these topics are emotive and I often get people say to me, how do you talk about things and still keep people on board? It's like, well, you don't have to shove your opinion down people's throats, but what we can do is go back to the Word of God where all of the wisdom already is. And when we live according to the wisdom of God's word, the fruit is always going to be good. And so we just, the best way to go is often to ask people more questions and to ask them to think about things and the fruit of things down the track. But what I want to do on this topic, because I mean, climate change is like the number one, right? Like we just got an email the other day to say that our electricity bill is doubling. And our provider actually told us we, we wouldn't normally do this, but we're telling you, go with another provider. We're having an energy crisis. So I'm like, okay, we need to get back and bring God back into this whole narrative. Because this is the thing, we have to be very clear on who shapes our worldview. And you know, it's not media, it's not education, it's not government and politicians, it's not the family we grew up in, it's not social media, it's not the scientists, and it's not what the masses believe. Who do we listen to? We can take from all that and look at all the sides, but we've got to dig into the Word of God because when we have God as our foundation, that's why the Word of God, over and over again, it says that He is our rock, the foundation that never crumbles, the foundation that never moves, which is very pertinent to climate change. His Word needs to frame my worldview no matter what the world tells me. I'll say it again, His Word needs to frame our worldview on everything, no matter what the world tells us. And so we should be getting involved in conversations like climate change. What does God say about this? And so we're going to set a three-part biblical foundation that I think is going to give you a really good foundation to help you uh, sift through all other information that you get, okay? Is that going to help you? It will. I'm telling you it will. Because this is the thing, we can have all different views and, and, you know, but we can't go making and backing policies for the environment that go against the principles of God's word. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna dive deep into that. So let's start of defining climate change. Let me just define it for you, okay? Because we hear this word climate change, what do they mean? Well, you can Google it, it'll come up the same everywhere. It basically is, um, where have I got it? Uh, according to the climate change, what it is, is it refers to the long-term shifts in temperature and weather patterns. And since the 1800s, this is what the definition, this is what everyone says, the human activities have been the main driver of climate change, primarily due to burning fossil fuels like coal, oil, and gas. Now, if you go on the website and you look at all of the key findings, which I've spent many, many hours doing, and the IPCC, which is one of the main bodies that are driving all of the policy, what you will get is page after page after page of negative reports, of devastation 
but that is not what I see in the Word of God. And so that's where we're going to go tonight. And you'll hear lots of words like climate emergency, uh, climate crisis, I can never say that word, existential threat, catastrophic. These are all the words, right? It's not like they're painting a good picture here. So here we go. Number one is this. I'm going to take a few minutes to set up the biblical basis that the climate is designed to be stable. Write that one down if you're taking notes. The climate is designed by God to be stable. What do I mean? What I mean is there is no biblical backing that we are in a climate emergency. Okay, so global warming scientists talk about mass flooding and this dramatic disruption that's going to cause catastrophic things to happen, but the Bible is clear. God already brought a flood and destroyed the earth with water in Genesis 6 and 7. And where I want to take us tonight is Genesis chapter uh, 8, verse 21 to 22. Because after the floods that destroyed the earth in Genesis, God reestablished human life through Noah and his family, and he gave us a promise that he would never destroy the world again through water and floods. So let's see what he says. I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. Now look at this. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So right then, I'm going to take it a step further in a moment, but that last sentence is really relevant to climate change. God promises that the earth's atmosphere and the patterns that he has made on this earth will continue, that we will always have cold and heat, day and night, seasons will continue. God established the patterns, and he is God over the earth, he is God over our weather, he is God over our climate. And so people might say, okay, well, what if, you know, we we get all this mass heating and mass this and all the destruction. But again, if we go to the New Testament in 2 Peter 3.10, it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So there we see not only has God set the earth and the atmosphere and the climate to run by patterns established by him, but the end of the earth is not going to happen through man's hand. It's not going to happen through climate change or human activity or a mass extinction. What does Peter tell us? The day of the Lord will come. It is the Lord that will come and bring the ends of the heavens that will pass away and the earth. So ultimately... God is sovereign. He is sovereign over the weather. And then on top of that, when we hear this emergency and the way our education is trying to put that onto our children, but the Bible says over and over again, do not be afraid. And what are we doing? We are making a generation afraid. And then they go into the polls and in the voting boxes and they vote accordingly and they don't even understand. And we've got Christian young people We've got a responsibility to teach them what the Word of God says, not what the media says, not what the education department says, not what the politicians say. What does God say? And we're going to live by that. 
fired up. Um, <laughs> you will get a go in a minute. <laughs> you, you should do a podcast. You, you, do you know what, you're quite good at this. I said to him, I'm actually going to drop a podcast on climate change this week. And he's like, are you really going to do that? He's so nervous. I'm like, yes, I am. You get really nervous. I was saying, go, go for it, Renee. You're graced and anointed for this. So I just sort of yeah, push her a little bit forward me. and then I just take a step back. He reckons he, he, loads, he loads the bullets and I just shoot the gun. That's what he always says. I'll just feed you the information and then you can. <laughs> but, but I feel a responsibility. You know, everywhere I go, I get mums and I get young adults say to me, I'm so glad you're talking about the things that nobody else wants to talk about. It's like, oh, we've got to keep these things out of the church. No, the church needs to be leading the way on these things so that we know a lie when we see a lie. So number one, there is no biblical evidence for an emergency. Then I'm going to do number two and then I'm going to hand to Cameron because if we tag teamed too much, it would be funny. <laughs> We're so different in our styles. You couldn't get two more different people. I love you. Okay. So number two. I feel two. like I'm being patronised. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, but you wanted it this way. It's I didn't boss him. I'm telling you, you that's what you said. No, you you're, said you're you going to talk about all this stuff, and I'm going to talk about Jesus because I'm. I'm I... See what I put up with? I know. I know. That's right. I'll do all the intelligent stuff. <laughs> and then you can... You're saying Jesus isn't intelligent? <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you might get your credential removed. <laughs> that's true, that's true, that's true. Okay, it's hot up here. All right. All right. So, God controls the patterns. The patterns will remain and the world will not end because of man's hands, okay? So, it's number one. Number two, there is a biblical basis that humans... The way God's designed it is for humans to take priority over environment. Okay, now stick with me on this because we will get to number three and talk about our responsibility. But can we just park on that one for a minute? Because what is happening is we are seeing the opposite where the human needs are being put secondary to the environment. Where human, and look, I know all of us would agree we're consuming too much as humans and I think there is so much room for us to, to get back to a more local way of living, to get back to a more natural and healthy, godly way of living. So we, Cameron will cover that in just a moment. But the earth is here for us, not the other way around. But what's happening is, you'll often hear when people talk about uh, the Greens, for example, they'll say that they've made nature a religion. And that is true. When you look at all of the narrative around climate change, it's become like a religion, that, that the, the, the earth has become this, this idol. Now, the plan is to reach net zero emissions. Can we just talk about that for a moment? I did a good down the rabbit hole search. What does that even mean? Like, what is that? How can we have no emissions from, from human beings? And when I had a good look on all of the websites, they actually said that it's not good enough to reach net emissions by 2050. We need to be starting to do it now and that we should be trying to reach it by 2030. So even what they say that what they're trying to do is not good enough. Now, according to Australia's Climate Council, 
if you look on their website, they've got this very kind of fluffy plan. I'm like, yeah, that's good, but what do you mean? Like, give me some, what, what do you want us to do? And there's really not a lot that you can find on what it is that they want us to do. But we just keep hearing this unrealistic, you know, zero emissions. They want zero impact from us being humans on the earth. But this just is not reality. And so I think about the way that God's created the earth. And you think, like, if you Google animals that make an impact on the earth, did you know that elephants, for example, to try and get their food, they break branches off of trees and even push whole trees down in their effort to get food? Now, if humans do that, well, we've got to go plant another tree, right? Which is great. Elephants can't do that. Do we want zero net you know, impact from elephants. Um, something that you might not realize is that up on the Great Barrier Reef, there's actually um, a starfish called the crown of thorns starfish that feeds on the coral and destroys vast amounts of coral. And widespread destruction of the Great Barrier Reef has partly been blamed on the starfish. Are we gonna eradicate starfish? Like. Animals are allowed to be animals and make their impact, but what about humans allowed to be humans? That doesn't mean we don't have to steward well, but this whole idea of making zero impact. Genesis 1.28 says this, God blessed them, that's us, and he said to them, Adam and Eve, be fruitful, increase in number. What? Fill the earth. What? That's a lot of carbon dioxide. And subdue it. I'll talk about the word subdue rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Okay, so let's look at the word subdue. What is it that God wants us to do? The Hebrew word implies two things, and, it, and it's such a beautiful picture, I think, of how we should be approaching this whole climate change. Firstly, it means that the earth is like a footstool. It's a place where one rests our feet. But secondly, subdue means to rule over, not by lording over, but by dwelling and walking among. So what we've got here when we put the two together is a picture of this idea that we're to rule the earth and the animals, but as benevolent, responsible leaders so that earth can provide from man and we can, uh, we can be, be fed from the earth, but we look after the earth. And it's a beautiful balance. And that's how God's designed it to be. So climate activists would have us believe that we're secondary. They've made this religion. I mean, Al Gore years ago put this documentary together and I remember what, being made to watch it and all of this stuff that I was taught as a young person that the more people on the earth, the more carbon dioxide is created in the atmosphere. But yet God's telling us populate the earth. He's not saying pull back on population so that we don't have more carbon dioxide. He's like, guys, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, fill the earth with humans. And so what's happening is there's this idealization of nature that's suppressing human innovation and placing the environment as a higher priority than the needs of the people. And the last thing I'll say on this is think about this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Humanity thrives when we have energy that is affordable, reliable, and plentiful. Think about that. We thrive as humans when we have energy that is affordable, reliable, and plentiful. Use that as a measure to pass by everything. 
What about, you know, you think of all the different forms of energy. Is it those three things? Because what is our responsibility? Yes, it's to look after the earth, but God also says and commands us to look after the poor and the needy. And if electricity is not affordable and it's not reliable and it's not plentiful, the first people that are going to suffer are the people that are already in poverty. And so we've got to think about not just backing policies that look really great for the earth, but are not good for humanity. Because God's very clear that humans come first. And we've got a responsibility to fill the earth and to look after people. Okay? Did you get all that? Your turn. I'm not sure I can beat that. (laughs) Let's give it up for Renee. Fantastic. And I think um, I'm probably a little bit more laid back in, in my feeling toward it all because um, obviously I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share from the word. Um, at the moment when there's this transitioning of, of, of where our power and our energy and our source is coming from, it's almost like we're, we're, we're put into this position where we have to be for climate change and for um, being climate advocates and making sure that we're we're almost becoming have religious fervor about making sure that we're pushing an agenda this way and like what Renee was sharing and saying if our if our own electricity is doubling we we're quite comfortable with our finances but what about other people who there's this push to put um, energy towards this certain, the, towards certain renewables, and energy is being doubled. And meanwhile, people who we need called towards are freezing through the night because they can't afford to put the electricity on. I feel like there's got to be a, a more sensible centre. So when Renee's talking very eloquently about climate alarmism or the the, the fear that's associated with driving this. I feel like as Christians, we need to come back to the sensible center and sort of sit back and have a look at go, okay, how can we actually steward all things well? That leads me to Genesis where it says um, in 2 verse 15, I don't think that we put the notes forward with this, um, says, says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And I just think, Right there, God was giving us authority, was giving us the capacity, he was giving us the command, he was giving us the authority to actually make sure that we go out and we do steward the land well, that we actually do look after God's creation, that we actually do respect it, that we do look after it, that we all play our part, that we all actually take on our own personal responsibility to make sure that we're not just throwing our rubbish out the window, that we're being responsible knowing that that has a damaging effect. If everyone threw their rubbish out the window, we're going to pollute our waterways, there's going to be rubbish flying everywhere, it's going to be um, not good for our health if we don't look, making sure that we're looking after all of those things and playing our part within our society as good, responsible Christian members um, community who are making sure that we're loving our neighbours as we would love ourselves and we're doing what Jesus actually asked us to do. I think um, if we could get someone to come up on the keys, that would be fantastic. Um, I think also that as we continue to round out, um, the third point would be that we actually, there's a biblical basis that we're actually supposed to look after the earth. So we don't want to be anti-looking after the, our, 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 um, no, 
making sure that we're actually looking after all the things that God has actually given us dominion over to look after the earth, is that we want to make sure that we're actually playing our part, that we're contributing, that we're not, we're not becoming zealous in our fervor and being a religious zealot um, in that regard. Because at the end of the day, God's asked us to obviously make sure that we're bringing the kingdom of God here on earth that we're making sure that we're bringing heaven here on earth. And while everyone's feeling the pressure because of how the media is driving a narrative that we're, the world is coming to an end and we have to make sure that we've got this religious um, fervor to make sure that we're, we're fighting for, for the, 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 the stopping and the saving of the world because it's about to burn up and we're all about to die. That's obviously the extreme narrative. That God has actually given us the capacity to bring Jesus out into our communities. And we should be fighting to bring the truth of what God's message is, that he saved, Doesn't he didn't come to save the climate, he didn't come to save nature, he came to save that which is lost. That Jesus, at the end of the day, he came that we would actually make sure that, that mankind would be saved, that we would be reconciled to God. And so while this sort of switch and bait thing is going on with the media and, and it literally is almost like a propaganda campaign that's, we, we don't know, like we've all got our suspicions, you know, Renee and I aren't scientists and there, there's no doubt there is an agenda that is going forward and we don't know who's fully driving the agenda. We don't know um, the, the full intent and the reason. And what happens is, is Christians, we have a, a propensity to have a, a real sense of, um, of care, that we're kind, that we've got empathy, that we as Christians, as lovers of Jesus, we've received the love of Jesus, that we make sure that we aren't jumping on the latest bandwagon around the latest um, craze or the thing that social media is telling us we have to bang on about, because sometimes we can get we can get sidelined or we can get distracted off of the mission that God has actually given us. Now we need to have a brilliant world, a biblical worldview on our stance on, on the climate and the fact that we need to make sure that we are gonna steward it well, but we also have to understand that, that God has put a mandate and a mission in our heart to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we don't want to be just going on talking about the fearful news or the bad news or the, the crisis news that the world is telling us all about those things. We've got the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our heart. We've got something incredible to talk about. When the world is spruiking hopelessness, we get to spruik the hope that can be found in Christ Jesus. When the world is spruiking out that everyone's in pain and, and the world is suffering, well, we actually have a remedy for that. We have the answers through Jesus Christ who laid down his life so that, so that, he, that, that he gave his only son so that people could come in to a genuine, living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think more than ever before, our society is set up for a move of God like we've never seen before. Our society is set up because when sin abounds, when lies abound, when misinformation abounds, God's truth is so clear and, and it's lit up in the backdrop of all of that darkness more than ever before. Um, we've all heard the saying that the, the smallest tiny star shines the brightest in the darkest night. 
And I just think the truth of Christ in us, we carry the presence and the power of God into all of these circumstances, into all these situations, into all these conversations. And so we don't have to peel back and be afraid to engage. We don't have to feel like we have to know every single answer. We don't have to feel like we have to have our head around every single hot potato topic or the elephant supposedly in the room because there's so much at the moment that is being pushed like in our education sector and online. And um, we have the message of hope and the message of truth. If I could just ask every person that's here just to bow their heads and close their eyes out of respect for, um, for everyone here. I'm not assuming that everyone here who is in this building tonight is in a loving, living relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, maybe you're sitting here today and, and this is different, a different narrative than what you've heard before. It's a little bit, maybe a little bit, um, maybe shocking to hear it viewed in this way. But I'm not asking tonight here in this place your position on, on climate change. I'm not asking your position on, on how, how zealous you are to, to be an advocate for one or the other these topics can really be quite divisive and um, at the moment there's a there's a divisiveness that's in the world that's really trying to separate people from coming together and building strong community and building love and building kindness and building and having empathy for other people's and tolerance for other people's views and and different things like that Jesus was the incredible bringer of people together he's a reconciler of humanity not only amongst ourselves with mankind but he's reconciled us to his heavenly father there's a thing that obviously is in the earth and it's called sin the bible says that we've all sinned we've all fallen short of what god's standard is for living but jesus came to break the curse of sin and to break the curse of death so that you and I could have everlasting life, so that you and I could have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says very clearly it's a, a life that is abundant, a life that is full, a life that is overflowing. With every head bowed and every eye closed here in this place, tonight, maybe you want to pray a prayer and invite Jesus into your life. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. We're talking about the climate being saved. We're talking about creation being saved. But today, the most important thing is that you would be in a living, loving relationship with Jesus and your future is assured in Him. Maybe you've grown up in church, but you've never made a decision. Maybe you've just stumbled in off the streets tonight or been invited by a friend. But if you'd like to pray a prayer and invite Jesus into your life tonight, why don't you just quickly lift up your hand so I can see it and then you can pop it down from the front to the back, from the left to the right. Is there anyone here that says, Pastor Cam, tonight? I do. I, I want to pray a prayer. Maybe you've fallen away and you haven't been in a right relationship with Jesus, but God's calling you home tonight. If that's you, from the front to the back, left to the right, just give me a quick wave of the hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you down the front or anything like that. I just want to pray a simple prayer with you tonight. Is there anyone? Yes. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anyone else that would join my friend tonight saying, yeah, that's me, I want to pray a prayer? That's fantastic. Let me, just, let me just pray a prayer and then I'll just explain a few things for that incredible young lady that lifted up her hand. 
Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you created the heavens and the earth. Lord, that you've created us to be in a living, loving relationship. And Lord, we messed it up early in the Garden of Eden when we, when we sinned and we ate from the tree of knowledge. But Lord, you sent your son Jesus to remedy that. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can call upon you. We can ask for forgiveness of our sins. You can, we can acknowledge you as the one true son of God. You laid down your life for us. You've given us eternal life. And I just thank you for the young lady that lifted up her hand. I just pray your blessing be upon her. Lord, let her know your love. Let her know your presence. Let her know that you'll never leave her. You'll never forsake her. Lord, let her grow in her understanding and her knowledge of you. We ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. 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 Just at the end of the service, um, for that person that lifted up the hand, we, there's a, a yes desk. And... Um, and I'm actually going to go over there. I'd love to meet you, have a conversation with you, answer any questions, even give you a Bible. And I might even share, shout your free coffee and a slice of pizza. Is there pizza around? There you go. Coffee and pizza. You can't turn it. And a conversation with me. All right. So can we give it up for this incredible young lady saying yes to Jesus tonight? Is there anything else you want to say? So church, thank you. Thank you so much for having us, Carolina. And... Um, but like we said, we're not scientists. We don't know all the answers. Renee is incredibly eloquent at tackling those topics. And, um, and she definitely, like, ups my, my level, you know, like, it's I feel different. like... different. We're so different, but you need both. We need both. What, what are my strengths? <laughs> what do you love about me? Just tell everyone tonight. <laughs> No, um, don't let me put it on the spot. <laughs> being silly. Hey, love you so Thank much, Thank you, church. guys.